Hi, good evening. Welcome to Bible study. Good to see everybody tonight. Glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. So I'm glad you're here. I'd be by myself. So I'm glad you all showed up and going to spend a little time looking into the Bible and seeing what God has to say to us. Let's pray. Father, thanks for meeting with us tonight. We've gathered in the name of Jesus. We ask you to lead and guide our time. We pray that your word would be real to us tonight and that you would open up understanding and meaning. We want to hear from you. And we ask you, invite you, God, to teach us. We invite you to challenge our ideas. We invite you, God, to really affect our lives. And so we give you this time and we give you, we submit ourselves. Uh, to your word and to what you want to say tonight. I pray, Father, that you'd have your way and ask you, God, that we would be different, we'd be changed because we're here and you're here and you're speaking. So we pray for your Holy Spirit to work in us, each of us. We pray your anointing in this time. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, it's going to open up to... The book of Psalms. If you need a Bible, grab one off the table. We have them available. Psalm 119. <coughs> and for Bible study tonight, we're just going to read the whole psalm. No, that's not true. If you know what Psalm 119 is, you know what I mean by that. Because it's a long one, right? Yeah, all the way. Boom. So one, Psalm 119, we're only actually going to read one verse. Um, so verse 21 of Psalm 119. Yes, Psalm 119, verse 21. All right, thanks for reading that. And uh, if, does anybody have a different version of the Bible? been asking that every now and then, just to uh, get a different perspective. All right, thanks. Okay, so uh, main ideas in this, and this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the proud, or we're going to talk about pride, and uh, a few things about it is that pride is corrected by God, and pride is also life under a curse. It's a, a choice that people make, and they choose to live under a curse, and um, pride also creates a wandering in us. And I'll explain what that means later. But uh, kind of an interesting study on being proud, on pride. So I, I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, some people have taken this verse and they've applied it to specific groups of people. Uh, for example, early on, uh, theologians applied this verse to the angels who rebelled. Uh, the, the fallen angels, the ones that were with Satan. And so they applied it to them and to their decision and the pride that they lived in and what happened to them. Later on, New Testament theologians applied it to the scribes and the Pharisees um, and to their willful rejection of Christ. Other Old Testament theologians uh, applied it to Pharaoh in Egypt, if you remember the story of Pharaoh with Moses and Aaron and everything that happened with him and how he kept hardening his heart over and over again, even though Moses was demonstrating signs and wonders and showing him the power of God, he, he still wouldn't. He would, he would, toward the end, he would be like, okay, go ahead. But then when it was time for him to go, he was like, no, you can't go. And he was like teasing him almost like that until after the, the firstborn were killed. And then he let him go. But then he tried to chase him down, if you remember. 
And and so some people, some of the Old Testament theologians would apply it to Pharaoh. I'm just going to take it and apply it to uh, us instead. Uh, instead of the fallen angels or the scribes and the Pharisees or Pharaoh, uh, I'd, I'd just like to take it and have us look at ourselves and apply it into our life it, it's some, in some way. And I'm not trying to say that we're completely this or completely that, but there's, there's parts of us that probably fit this. And there's parts of us that we can see the results of pride in our life as it's being described to this verse. So uh, just keep an open heart, keep an open mind. Don't necessarily think about somebody else while we're looking at this. But really turn it in on you and, and see what God might say to you. Uh, and, and so a couple words that, that went with pride uh, was obstinate. Anybody know what obstinate means? It means, yeah, it means stubborn, or stubbornly adhering to an attitude. Stubbornly adhering to an attitude, more specifically. Uh, presumptuous is another word that goes with pride. So we have obstinate, and then we have presumptuous. Anybody want to go with that? What you think that means? You think you know what? Right. You, what? Okay. So it's going beyond what is right or proper is presumptuous. All right? And that's what people do when they think they know something that they don't know. They go beyond their knowledge. They go beyond their experience. They go beyond what they really know, and they just say something. Well, they've gone beyond what's right and proper. That's a presumptuous thing to do. You know, when you hear people use that phrase, that was presumptuous of them. In other words, they went a little bit too far. Right? And so that's pride. Those are two words associated with pride, obstinate and presumptuous. And there was a quote that I read about pride. It's kind of interesting. It says, pride is at the bottom of every willful sin that we commit. Pride is at the bottom of every willful sin that we commit. Now, again, there's different kinds of sin, right? I mean, there's sin, which is sin, but then there's, uh, and sin is sin, but in our lives, the way that we kind of interpret sin, there's stuff that we do that we're not, we weren't aware of, there can be, that it can be sin, and then there's stuff that we are well aware of, and we just do it anyway, okay? You see the difference between those two things? It's like, oh, you know, oh, that wasn't the best thing to do, okay, because somebody comes up to us afterwards and says, you shouldn't do that. Really? Why? Well, because it says so, you know, because God says, you know, and then you're like, oh, I didn't know. I was like, oh, I feel really bad about that. You sinned, but you didn't know. It wasn't like a willful sin. But then there's willful sins where you know better and you just do it anyhow, right? I mean, that's what we do. And so at the root of those willful sins in our life is pride. That's the bottom of all those kind of sins in our life. And even if you pretend you didn't know better, but you really did, that's still a willful sin because God's not fooled by you pretending about it. All right? And so uh, God, the way he handles this, the way he handles pride is that he corrects it. That's his response to it. He wants to correct it in us. In other words, as it raises up in our life, as it's something that comes around, uh, we're, uh, Layla, we're at uh, Psalm 119.21. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I just wanted to make sure you're up where we're at. No, okay. But as, uh, but as, we, as this happens to us, God corrects it because he's willing to do that. And, and so some of your Bibles might use the word rebuke or reprove. And I want to make it clear that God does not deal in strict justice in our lives. He doesn't. And the reason you know he doesn't deal in strict justice in all of our lives is that you haven't perished yet. That's how you know. <laughs> because if he dealt in strict justice in all of our lives, we would have perished already. Clearly. And, and so 
I, I want to make that, I just want to say that out loud and make that a point because I think sometimes we can pick and choose what we think God is doing or we can pretend we know what he's doing or we can say he's this way or he's that way, but he's clearly full of grace and he's clearly on our side and he's clearly full of mercy and he's clearly full of love toward us because we haven't perished. He is not dealing with us in strict grace and he never has. He didn't deal with Israel in strict grace. Read the Old Testament. Read about those people. I mean, he laid out a law that was really clear. Could they follow it? No. No, they couldn't follow it. Even though he laid it out, he explained it to them. He's like, this is what you need to do. They didn't do that. And there were lots of times where there, there, were, there were these the moments or there were times when they would go off and they'd do their own thing. And he would have patience and he would have love and he would have mercy and he would have grace on them. And he'd wait it out. And you can turn through all the chapters and the years and the hundreds of years in some points and get to the point where finally they're going to they're gonna face the music for what they've done. But that's after how many years and how many opportunities to repent and how many times they could have changed their ways and how many times they could have done something differently. Many, many times. Because he doesn't deal with us in, like I said, he doesn't deal with us in strict justice. If he did, they would have all perished. There wouldn't be anybody left. Everybody would have perished by now. It would have been done. Because that perfection and that, that, that place where somewhere in our heads we're supposed to dwell never has and never will exist on this earth. Ever. Never. And so... They, there they were. They, you look at, at the Old Testament, you see the people there. There they were. And God had mercy and grace time after time after time after time. And he's like that in our lives too. I mean, he, he does not deal with us in strict justice. So when I say that he corrects pride in us, I mean that in just that. Even if you want to use the word rebuke or you want to use the word reprove, that he deals with us based on bigger picture ideas. In other words, if there's pride in our life, he wants it corrected. Why? Because he wants us to live abundantly. If there's pride in our life, he, he wants to see that change in us. Why? Because he wants us to live in joy and peace in our life. He doesn't want us living in rebellion. That's not his heart. That's not his desire. It never has been. It wasn't his desire for his people in the Old Testament in the hundreds and thousands of years that he was dealing with those people. It, was, it had nothing to do with that. And in the thousands of years he's been dealing with us, it has nothing to do with any kind of strict justice. It has to do with him desiring us to really live and really find a place of life in him. That's what he wants. I mean, our life in service of him, that's what true life is. What his desire for us is to see the wonder of it, to grow in our understanding of it, to leave behind the fear and the anxiety that error brings in our life. What I mean by error, I mean error, being mistaken, being mistaken about how we see things, being mistaken about we hear things or, or that we receive things or that we've interpreted things. It's just error. And error is a part of the human existence that you're going to see something and you might misunderstand it or you're going to experience something and you may interpret it wrongly. I mean, stuff that I went through when I was 15 or 16 years old and I go through now, I see two different ways. Things that would vex me as a 16-year-old or 17-year-old are nothing now because I've seen it before, I've been through it before, and it's not a big deal. It was the end of the world then. It's nothing now. And when I see my kids go through some of that or I, I, I see them get nervous about something or, or make a bad decision or whatever and it seems like the end of the world, I assure them it's not because I know it's not and it'll be okay. But back then, it was the end of the world. And if I made a snap judgment and that's the way I was going to see life and I never grew up and I never experienced anything else and I was still seeing life like that even though, you know, I'm in my 50s, life is a messed up place. 
And I hope you can understand what I'm saying. If I can't grow and I can't mature and I can't learn from the things that I've experienced and I can't learn from my mistakes and I can't learn from the things that have gone wrong and the things that have gone right and all of those kind of things, if, if that's impossible for me, my life is going to be horrible. It's not going to be right. And I'm still going to misinterpret. And I'm still going to make the same mistakes over and over again. Thank God he puts us in a situation that we can learn from our mistakes and we can make different decisions as we move forward. Because he does. And that's his, his purpose, his plan for us. And so when, when he talks about rebuking or reproving or correcting something, it's, it's, we're going to learn from that. And that's his idea behind it. That's the idea behind it. It's like pride in my life. Okay, pride in my life. Well, he wants to correct that. And he may rebuke that. And he may reprove that in me. Why? So I can live better. So I can live with more joy. And I can live outside of fear and anxiety. But, I mean, I could be obstinate about it, right? What, I want to hold on to what? The hurt? I want to hold on to what? The bad times? I want to hold on to what? Whatever it was I experienced because I have to be right? Oh, I was 16. I know what I experienced. Yeah, you were 16 and you saw something a certain way. And, and you know what? You shouldn't be seeing it the same way now. Just letting you know that. I don't care if you're 24 or you're 54. You shouldn't be seeing it the same way you did then. You shouldn't be understanding life the same way you understood it when you were 15 or 16 years old. What does that mean? That means, well, what about people that were in authority over you? You need to be able to see that differently. What about the bad time you had in school? Well, maybe you need to see that differently. You need to be able to. What about the family life that you went through? Could have been horrible. I understand that, but we, we grow up and we have to see things differently over time. That may be involved, that may involve us in forgiving people. That may involve us in letting people go from, from just hating their guts or whatever it is. It might be, but that's part of growing up, and that's part of being corrected, and that's part of being rebuked and reproved and being released from the stuff that's holding us in bondage. Pride says no. Pride says be obstinate, be stubbornly and, and adhere to whatever it is your attitude is or whatever it is your idea is or whatever it is your memory is or whatever it is that, that's sitting in there in your brain. So yes, hold on to that. Be stubborn about it. Why? Why be obstinate? Why not be pliable? Why you got to take it too far? Why you got to keep taking it too far? Why can't you just be wrong? Why not? Why not just be wrong about it, get corrected, and you know what? Find some peace and some joy and move on. Get some forgiveness rolling. Why? Why be that person? Why be that guy? Why be that... that, that that girl that's just holding on to that stuff that nobody wants. Why? And so God gives us the opportunities. Because pride is life under a curse. What's the curse? Well, the curse is what I just described. That whole life I was just describing to you. All right, that 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 lack of peace, that that lack of wonder, that lack of understanding, that sense of being stuck, not being able to go, not knowing what true life is. I mean that that is the curse. There doesn't need to be anything else. We're more likely to throw ourselves under that kind of a train and that kind of a bus than anybody else is. That we throw ourselves into that pit by our own obstinance, by our own presumptuousness, more likely than anything else that we're going to face in our life. <coughs> I did that. I, I threw myself in there by my pride. I threw myself in there by my obstinates by my stubborn 
way. I threw myself in there because I took it too far. That's why. And God has better plans for us than that. But a people that want to live in pride, a people that want to live like that, in all that they do and all that they possess, they find themselves in their life in that place of the curse. Because that's a manifestation of what God doesn't want for us. That kind of life. That's a manifestation of living outside of his will, of living outside of his purpose, of living outside of his provision for our life. Understand that. And you can blame him for it all you want, but he's given you a choice. He's saying you can live this way, and here's some peace, here's some rest, here's some joy, here's some purpose for your life, and he can show you all of that, or you can just do your thing. But when you're doing your thing, you're finding yourself outside of the other stuff he described. There's the curse. Is that what he wants for you? No, but you have the choice. You want to live there? You're going to live there. And the, really, the real issue of that is that we're not talking about words here, right? We're not talking about him telling you and saying, oh, well, this is what your life's going to be like. Or you saying, oh, this is what I want my life to be like. Or whatever. You can say all of those things, okay? Words, 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 words. But words don't have a lot of meaning unless they describe something indeed. All right? In other words, you want to tell me you know, what you think? Then tell me what you think. Great. Well, you want to tell me this or tell me that? All right, that's fine. And I'll tell you those things and we can argue about it. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, is that we as human beings should not be arguing over things that are actually in D. It drives me crazy seeing arguments like on the internet about what color a dress is or something like that. It makes me nuts. It'd be like somebody coming in here and telling me, oh, that carpet's not green. And get in a huge argument about that wall's not green over there. Get in a huge argument about, you know what, that wall is green. And I'm not going to argue about it with anybody. Because that's a fact. That's a statement of fact that that wall is green. The sky is blue. That's a statement of fact. Grass is green. That's a statement of fact. And I'm not going to argue about it. I'm not going to read people arguing about it. And so God indeed Indeed, not in word, but indeed we place ourselves under a curse because we choose to walk away from the provision, the love, and the grace of God. That's how it happens. That's what happens indeed. And you can argue about why, or you can argue about when, or you can argue about how many, you know, this or that or whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm saying, indeed, the fact of the matter is, when you walk away from the will of God, you walk away from His purpose, His plan, His provision for your life, you put yourself under a curse. And it's the curse of you. You're the curse. Because it's your ideas, it's your decisions, it's what you want, and it's you going after what you want that puts yourself under that curse. It's you. And you want to argue about it? Then argue about it. You want to blame somebody? Blame somebody. You want to you you, you blame God? Then you're going to blame God. Whoever you want to blame, you're going to blame. But the fact of the matter is, indeed, is that you've done it. It's you. It's not him. Do you know God resists the proud? How? How? And I want you to think about this. Somebody look at James 4, 6. James 4, 6. Okay, what did I just say? Huh? What happens? What happens? You want to do that? You want God wants you to do? You want to follow after Him? You want to believe Him? You want to 
live for him, you want to listen to what he has to say, you want to follow after what he has to say, all that kind of good stuff, there's lots of grace, all right? You, you, you want to put yourself in a position where, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You know, all the rest of that, there's lots of grace. It's always grace. There's always love. There's always mercy. There's always kindness. There's always those things. Because, again, again, I am not speaking in any way, shape, or form under anything that would even resemble, again, strict justice. We'd all be dead. So nothing I'm saying here has anything to do with that. But what I am saying is this, is that you want to live the way you want to live. All right? You want to be, you get, you get a stubborn about your idea, adhering to your view, your attitude, the way you want to see things. You want to take things too far in your life and you want to do whatever you want to do, then you're going to do that. You're going to do it. But you become a curse unto yourself. That's what happens. Do you not want to do that anymore? Then tell God, and there's plenty of grace. You want to come around, and you want to come back into what he has for you? There's lots of grace. Welcome back. You want to love God and, and, and know his love in your life? Good. There's lots of grace. Come on back. Come on back. It's always there, and it's always waiting for you, and it's always uh, just, just an abundance over whatever. What'd you do? Doesn't matter. God loves you. Grace is there. But you know what? You're not going to experience that grace. You're not going to see it. You're not going to know it if you're going to continue to live in pride. Okay, you following what I'm saying? Your decision. Your choice. What you want. You want to be that way? You want to be that person? Go ahead. But you're putting yourself in a bad situation. You are. And you can, like I said, you can blame God for that, but there's no reason to. It's you. Your choice, your freedom, your liberty, what you want to do. But what God says in James 4, 6 is that, man, he continues to give grace. You notice how that's framed? It starts off, God gives grace, grace, and grace. But he opposes the proud. But you know what? He gives grace and grace and grace to those who aren't. Do you see the, the problem? You're understanding the problem? You see, pride is the sin of the devil. And, and I don't know if people just don't believe me when I say that or they just don't care. But if you really believe that, then maybe you deal with it, right? Right? Oh, this is the devil's sin in me. Maybe I need to deal with that. Maybe I really need to, to, to have God and, and allow the Holy Spirit access into my heart, into my deep places, and deal with pride. Because I don't want it anymore. I don't want the sin of the devil in me. Because I say that all the time. And people just look at me like, oh, yeah. No, yeah, 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 it is. And it's the root of every willful, willful sin in you. So it's kind of important you deal with it. It's kind of important I deal with it, or else we're leaving this open door, this wide open door for willful sin in our life. Unless we do deal with it. And so it's really kind of a, a, a misery for us, in a sense, that we, we, okay, do whatever you want. Okay, I'm doing what I want, but I'm anxious. I'm doing what I want, but I'm living in some fear. I'm doing what I want, but I'm really not peaceful or joyful about it. I'm doing what I want, but it's not really working out the way I thought it was going to work out. I'm doing what I want, but I'm not really you know, that, that happy, and I don't really like the people that are around me. I mean, you, you see there's a misery in that? Is that you, you think you've reached the highest pinnacle of what you could possibly do? What's that? Whatever you want? That's the highest pinnacle of our lives as human beings? I'm going to do what I want? No, it's not. And it leads to misery in our life. 
And the only reason I, I know that is because there's enough people out in the world, especially in these days with plenty of media, where they, they openly talk about how miserable they are. But what have you been doing? Exactly what you want for the last 30 years, or 20 years, or 10 years, or whatever it's been. People killing themselves for what? Because they did everything they wanted to do? Seriously? Rock stars killing themselves for what? Oh, they were rock stars for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. How horrible. But the fact is they did what they wanted to do, and they went about it, and they're miserable. And they're anxious, and they're fearful. And they can't, they can't reach anything that they want to reach, and they can't get to where they want to go, because it doesn't lead there. It doesn't. And that creates a crisis in people because they've done what, what they're supposedly was supposed to lead them where they were supposed to get to, and it didn't get there. You're at the top of your game doing what you want to do, and it's not where you want to be. Where do you go? It's misery. It's misery because there's no answer, at least not within that framework. Not within that idea, not within that prideful way of seeing life. There is no, there's nowhere else to go. I've done everything I wanted to do. I'm where exactly I want to be, and I'm not happy. Where do you go from there? You don't. You don't. And so what pride does in us, it creates a, a sense of wandering. It's not a sense of, I've got purpose and I've got plan and I've got call, and I've got reason for being. It creates a wandering in us, like a, a an unsure, kind of straying away, an error in our life. That's what it does. Because we get somewhere, and it's not where we want to be. Where do you go next? You wander somewhere else. Well, I'm still going to do what I want to do. Okay. And then where does that lead to? I don't know. Some other error, some other place, some other, I don't know where I'm at. But that's where it goes. It's a, it's, oh, it's a knowing and willful wandering in our life to try to get somewhere and try to get something that is impossible to achieve within our own pride in doing. Can't do it. And it's never going to get there. It will never, ever get us to where we want to go. And normally... We wander away from God. Psalm 119, where we're looking tonight, is all about God's commands. It's all about His Word. You, know, you read this, if you've ever read it, Dean has. So you can ask him any questions you may have. No, he didn't say he read it. But... It's a long psalm. It's really long. How many verses? hundred and bunch, right? There's a hundred and bunch. hundred bunch. There's bunch in there. And you can read that, and it's talking about his word, talking about his commands, and, and that's what the psalm is focusing on. And I thought it was interesting that right here, you know, verse 21 now the psalm, it's like you get this this little teaching. That's all it is, too, man. It's a little this a little morsel for you, right in the middle of uh, this is word. This is a lamp unto my feet. He's showing me where to go. He's showing me how to live. This is awesome. We got his word, and we have his commands, and we can understand him. And we can understand who he is and where we're going. And, but right in the middle of that, there's this little morsel here. Pride is gonna mess you up. There it is. It's just one verse, too. It's like, yeah, all right. Pride is corrected by God. It leads to life under a curse and creates a wandering in your heart. It's no good. Because you wander away from everything else this psalm is about. You wander away from God. You wander away from his word. You wander away from his will, his purpose, and his plan. You wander away from his call. You wander away from the answer that you gave to that call. You wander away. You just wander away. Looking for something. Something you're not going to find. Never going to find it.
You see, what God looks for in us, and he really does, he looks for us a hunger in us. You think about David. God, God loved David because David was a man after God's own heart. In other words, that's who he wanted. That's what he wanted. And so he took his life and he he pointed it at that and and went after it. And again, I'm going to say this one more time because I just want you to understand. David wasn't perfect, and I'm not talking about strict justice. Because if I was talking about strict justice, David would have been dead. Yeah. He would have been. But it wasn't about strict justice. And when David cried out to God, and there was price to be paid for what David did. He killed a man. And there was a life to be paid for that, and his son's life was taken because of it. But the fact of the matter was David was spared. And God showed grace and mercy to him. And God, God showed his love to him. Because he was he was a man after God's own heart. He he was hungry for God. He was he was hungry for what God had for him and the purposes that God had for him and the call that God put on his life. I was just in where I am in the Bible right now in my yearly read through. I'm in all the laws and stuff that Moses had in Exodus where God is telling him, you know, this is what you do and this is the bread you bake and this is the kind of flour you use and throw some olive oil in it and make a flat cake but then you make a different kind of bread with yeast in it and then you got this kind of bread and that and then this sits here all day but it has to be thrown out and if it stays overnight then nobody can eat it because it's holy so you don't want anybody eating that and just all this stuff, right? And I couldn't help but think as I was listening to that today or reading that today about David going into the going into the house of God and he was hungry and his men were hungry and he took the bread he took the showbread which is what they were describing in Exodus and he took it and he ate it and it said right there you're not supposed to eat it but he ate it how come he ate it why come why come he ate it right right and and I've, I've heard people do like all these like spiritual gymnastics to explain how David could eat the bread and the priest king and all this other stuff and all that, whatever. You know, David ate that bread and God showed him mercy and grace and love. And the priests were upset and other people were upset and everybody's upset and they got upset faces about it and they were all mad and all this stuff, you know. But he was okay. He was okay. Because he was after God with his whole heart. Loved God with a whole heart. And, and that wasn't a move that he made because he was prideful. It wasn't a move even... And remember, presumptuous is part of pride. He wasn't even presumptuous about it, okay? It wasn't prideful. He loved God with his whole heart and he was hungry and he ate. And when the disciples were in the fields on the Sabbath, and they picked the grain so that they could eat. They didn't do it because they were presumptuous or prideful. They did it because they were hungry, and they ate. Even though all the people there thought, oh, they're breaking the law. They could eat. It was okay. It's all right. And it's not about the strict justice that, that I think sometimes we have... Because we have some overactive uh, justice issues in our life. Thank God he doesn't hold us to those, right? I mean, we want to hold somebody else to those, but thank God he doesn't hold us to those. And he doesn't. Even when we're holier than thou, and we shouldn't be. Because it's about, it's, it's about something else with God. It's about his his ultimate purpose for us, his ultimate will for our lives and, and to live abundantly, his ultimate will for our lives to really know him and fellowship with him and, and begin to live in eternity right now. Ultimately, that, that's what he wants. 
And that happens in us as we begin to answer his call, as we begin to love him with a whole heart and to be hungry for him and hungry for his word and, and hungry for his will for our life and, and to answer that call. That's how it happens. It's not doing what we want. It's, it's doing what he has for us and finding a real rest and a real peace and a real joy in that instead of just fighting it all the time, trying to prove something that never needs to be proved, ever. You never have to prove you can do what you want. Just go do it. Never. The, 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 real, the real issue here is coming away from that, growing up and making a decision, I want to do what he wants. Because that's the bigger choice. That's the better decision. And as you get older, you, you find out there's people in your life that you, you make those kind of decisions for, too. It's like, I'm going to do what they want. I'm going to do what he wants or she wants. And, and you make those decisions. Even if, if maybe you had a different idea, maybe if you thought it was going to go differently or whatever it is, you make that decision sometimes based on someone else and that's just human beings and I can remember we drove down to uh, Colonial Williamsburg one time it was me, June, and Garrett and Garrett was in diapers <laughs> and we were we got, you know, we had everything planned out we had the hotel and there was a tram that stopped at the hotel and you get on the tram and then you go to Colonial Williamsburg and you go there all day and stuff and see everything. We had tickets for everything, including the tram. And then you take the tram back, it goes right to the hotel. There was a restaurant in the hotel, there were restaurants. I mean, we had it all planned out. What could go wrong, right? Yeah, kid in diapers goes wrong, right? Yeah. This has a pretty long ride, too. I mean, it's, not, it's, not, it's pretty, a pretty good ride from here. So we start to get on the tram the first day, and I don't know what happened to him, but something happened. All right, I don't know if we were getting on it or getting off at Chloe Wisberg, but we couldn't figure out what happened, but something happened, and Garrett just started screaming, which was really unusual for him. He didn't do that. He was super quiet, and he just started screaming and hollering like he was a little kid just going nuts to the point we took his diaper off. I thought maybe a bee got in there or something and stung him, or it was craziness. And he was just screaming, screaming, screaming. And so we finally were like, we couldn't calm him down. We couldn't do anything. So we just got back on the tram, went back to the hotel, got into the hotel, and got him back in there and got him on the bed and stuff. And he just stopped screaming. He was really quiet. And I think we might have tried one more time. Wasn't having it. And so we spent a nice weekend in Williamsburg, Virginia, in the hotel. <laughs> we got something to eat a couple times or whatever, but, you know. And uh, drove back home. Yeah. And so, there, but you, there's a point to this that that wasn't the plan, right? That wasn't our plan. We had it all planned out. We had, we had, stuff purchased we had the tickets we had the trams we had the hotel we had meals we we had we had we had the whole thing it just wasn't happening not that time it wasn't happening and so we we did what we did and we came back and and so it's not just that but other decisions that you learn to make as people that you make for other people, other choices that you make because it's what's best or it's what's needed. Uh, even on missions trips sometimes things get cut short or things uh, the, there has to be things that are, are modified because of where we're at as a team or, or where somebody is or how someone's feeling or whatever it is or that someone could be me. Who knows? And so... Things have to be altered. 
and we make those decisions for one another because that's part of just being alive that we don't just get to do what we want to do and it's good it's okay and so in a bigger scheme in a, in a broader scheme in our life God's looking for that he's looking for a bigger and better decision from us that is about him and not about us and what we want. Because sometimes there's things that God will speak to me about that I don't want to do. But it's not really about me. It's about Him. There's sometimes that, that there's things that I want to do and it's just not going to happen. And, and people that know me, that make plans with me, know that sometimes those plans change every now and then. That I might have planned something fun or we might have something we're going to do. And I'll, and I'll just say, I, I've got to be here. I can't do it. Because that's what God says. And I just can't. So I want to encourage you to allow God to begin to deal with some of these areas. And I want you to just let the Holy Spirit begin to touch on some of these areas in your life. And I'm not talking about perfection. I'm really not. I'm talking about a, a shift that needs to come in our attitude, a real shift it needs to come in our attitude about what matters, what we're going to value, and how we're going to go about living. Because pride is a curse on us. We're the curse, and we choose to live that way. And... And it's just not, it's not worth it. And if you're not at the point where you, you realize it's not worth it, I, I pray that you get there quickly. And you don't have to suffer too much in order to understand that. Before you understand that. That you don't have to wander too long before you really begin to understand that. Because there's a better life. There really is but it, it's not with you at the center. It's not. And so let's take a few moments and pray. Uh, I, I just, I'll pray for us, and I just want to encourage you to pray, and I'll give you a few minutes to do that. But Heavenly Father, I, I pray tonight that, Holy Spirit, you would touch on some areas of our lives that need to be touched on. I mean, really just, just begin to, to, to touch areas that we're, we're struggling with some of these ideas in. Ideas about our pride or our obstinance. Being presumptuous. Just taking things too far. Whatever it is. Maybe bad ideas about you or whatever. But God, I pray you begin to touch on some of these areas. Because God, I... I ask that in us you would raise up a people that are really after you. That are really hungry for you, hungry for your word, hungry for what you have for us, hungry for your plans for our life, hungry to, to know you more. That we'd be men and women after your own heart. Again, not perfect. Nowhere near. But having an overall attitude that we want you. We want you. And so, God, I pray you deal with some of the, the, the pride issues that we have, some of the, the, the stubborn, obstinate, trying to hang on to some idea or some experience or whatever it is that, that we keep hanging on to. I pray, God, that we could just let go. And I thank you that you're about, you're really interested in dealing with our pride. You're really interested in correcting us. You're really interested in, in changing it in us. And so, Father, I pray that you do that. Where we're seeing your Holy Spirit pointing to certain areas of our life, that you begin to change us, and begin to change those attitudes, and begin to change those ideas, and begin to change God 
our holding on, our interpretation of certain experiences we've had or whatever it is, God, I just pray change in the name of Jesus. didn't do us any good to gain the whole world. No good. Even if that were possible, it'd do us no good. And so I pray we'd stop trying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, God. Just take another moment there and talk to him. Just right where you're at. You can get yourself out from under a curse just by talking to Jesus right now. Just by changing the way you're doing things just by asking him to forgive you and cleanse you just by taking hold of his will and his call for your life he's waiting for you to do that he wants to show you grace then he'll show you some more grace there's always a different choice to make if you'll only make it We want to make it more complicated. It's not. So, Father, thanks for your love tonight. And thanks for your grace. And thanks for your grace. And thanks for your forgiveness and your mercy. Thanks, God. Thanks for your care over us. Thanks for your correction. Thanks for the life and that more abundantly. Thank you, Lord. We rest in you tonight. I pray we just get more and more hungry for time, for opportunity, God, for your word, for more of you. Give you thanks and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.